Welcome to the Talking Serverless Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Jones, joined today by Matthew Napoli, Product Manager for Serverless Framework and an AWS Serverless Hero. He open sourced his first code in 2003, built his first website in 2007, and hasn't been able to stop since. After years of setting up servers, learning Ansible, and finally Docker, Matthew moved to Serverless. He now creates serverless applications for clients, as well as his own amazing projects. For example, he helps maintain Brev, a serverless PHP framework for AWS Lambda that has been installed more than 1 million times. Besides coding, Matthew is an avid blogger, Twitter user, and loves to discuss serverless at conferences and meetups. You can follow the links in our show notes to learn more about his open source projects, serverless training course, blog, and much more. How are you doing today, Matthew? Great. Thank you. Really excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm really excited to have you on as well because, uh, you know, first off, I made a training course a while back. I know what these, I know what that that entails. Uh, all the mapping it out and throwing that away and then starting again and then actually recording and editing and it's a whole long process. And also, it's like a a very vulnerable thing too to put your your brain out there. So I guess with yes. that <laughs> with that in mind, I guess let let's jump there. What's what's how is that? How let's uh, if you could give a background about the course. What prompted mm -hmm. you to make it? And uh, yeah, let's start there. Yeah, because unlike most courses, I chose to make this one. Uh, it's, this is not a video course. I hesitated for a long time. I wanted to do a course because uh, so many people kept asking the same questions. And I realized that I'm getting used to the same thing. Like when, like a few years ago, everyone was talking about serverless, but it felt kind of vague and maybe intimidating to so many people so yeah having the course like walk people through uh, like take them by the hand and show them like it's not that weird it's not that complex not that different so yeah i hesitated with the video i went with a, a written format and i what i actually did is write in javascript like a simulator of aws so you have in your browser you have the text and then you have animations where you have buttons you can click and it sends fake requests to a fake Lambda function that runs in your browser. And you can see the invocations pile up when you have SQS, you can see them being dispatched to multiple functions when you have even bridge. So I wanted that to be very visual, hence the name of the course, serverless visually explained. So yeah, I went that route. I, I don't regret that, but I wasn't that much of a video person, but now the more I watch videos, the more I appreciate that format as well. So. If I were to do one again, I guess I would do a video course this time. Awesome. Yeah, understood. And then uh, in terms of the getting your kind of brain out there, you've already released it. What is the, in the feedback so far? Have you iterated on it at all? Have you helped uh, people that are taking the course? And, and what does that look like? Yeah, I had to update it. Uh, I think it was at the beginning of the year because like serverless moves fast, um, especially like AWS ships new things. Uh, tools change and yeah, I, I updated a few things. I did a new, like a few new chapters. The main changes I saw were, you know, new use cases are getting more, I don't know, widespread, more widely adopted. Uh, so anything around events and also about, I don't know, like changing the way maybe we deploy APIs. I may, at the time, originally I focused a lot on you know, deploying monolithic functions. And so I wanted to show as well how to create um, like micro functions, so API gateway routings, different functions, um, all of these, not necessarily new topics, but topics I saw gain more, uh, 
visibility or adoption. So in terms of actually releasing the course and then getting it out there, uh, have you seen any feedback from people that have used it? And if so, what has that experience been like? Yeah, it's it's really great to hear uh, from people that like it's both great and at the same time you see what's missing <laughs> because when they reach out to you, they say it's great. And I have some questions about this, this and that. And it, it becomes really clear to me, like uh, both with the course, obviously, but also with the industry, with serverless in general, there are so many missing pieces and it can be a bit frustrating as a, you know, as a, like an, an actor or a spectator of that community, that ecosystem wanting to fix all of this is, is like way too much for one person. So building the course is one thing and then uh, trying to improve whatever we can step by step. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I know the course that I made when it first was released uh, and then I think by, I think I made it in 2019 and probably before the end of the year already, the UI had changed and Lambda the the definitely the Node.js that I was talking about is like now way out of date. I think I was talking about Node.js nice. 6. <laughs> and yeah, and so, yeah, as you're saying, uh, serverless moves extremely fast. Uh, there's constantly stuff, but it's very critical to still not feel discouraged to put stuff out there because, you know, as you know, uh, you probably learned from something similar to a course that you made. And maybe that is that kind of, actually, that's a great question. The way that you learn is that kind of how this course, like you made a course for almost for yourself? Would you say that's that's true? Or like if you were starting back at day yes, one? Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. I At least I tried to explain it how I pictured it in my head. Like I think the visual approach is because I'm someone that responds to stuff that is very visual. And explaining, like for example, the approach I took with the course is explain also how it works. Even though like with serverless, usually it's like, uh, this is a managed service, you upload your code and it just works. That's great. But I'm a developer. I like you know knowing how it works, understanding the, the execution model behind it, even though I don't need to. So that's how I start the course is explaining how Lambda scales and how like the fact that it's actually like kind of a container, it's not really something magical. Here is how it works and it scales down and up and, and cold starts and everything. I would say obviously you need to know a bit about that, but starting with those details, it feels less intimidating. You're like, okay, it's just like a container that stops and stops, starts and stops. Now let's actually talk about more interesting things now. It's less magical. So yeah, I guess I would say I explained it the way I I discovered it by reading and as well by playing. Like I discovered serverless by um, trying to run PHP on it. And so since like PHP is not supported, I had to dive in and learn how Lambda works, like the, the, the small details that matter when you're deep in there. So I guess that's how, yeah, that's how I structured the course. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that that's a um, that's a great segue. So I know that um, you've also been the maintainer of uh, Brev, uh, PHP uh, framework for running serverless stuff on Lambda. So is that just part of this process when you were first getting started? You saw a gap there. Hey, I want to do this. It doesn't exist. So therefore, let me try to work on something. Is that kind of the the origin story? Yes. Um, basically, when I started working on Brev, I had just gotten out of a job where we were we started with you know virtual machines 
uh, background for running stuff locally, and then you know, came containers. So we started using containers to run stuff locally and started to use them in production. And then we looked into Kubernetes. And it was, honestly, it was a huge mess, like a huge mistake as well, <laughs> way too much for us. So um, I stumbled upon Lambda and it felt just perfect, so simple. I was blown away by how simple it was and, and the scaling model as well. Um, so it, to me, the most interesting thing wasn't really the scaling part, but the simplicity, the fact that I wouldn't have to deal with running containers. Uh, learning about Kubernetes, that's how I got started. Obviously, I was a PHP developer then, working with PHP, and my first thing was, okay, I can create a node function, that's great, but how do I run PHP? And so that's how I got started. Uh, the, I mean, the exciting thing also was that almost nobody did that at the time. There were a few ex experimental projects on GitHub, so it felt really exciting to try and uh, you know, kind of, yeah, figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things too with that, I guess to give a background to the audience, uh, is it possible to run PHP yeah, on Lambda? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, Let's start with that. No, yeah. I mean, it is possible. It's just not an official runtime provided by AWS. You can use Node, you can use Python, Go, and like so many other runtimes, but there is no official PHP runtime on Lambda. And so that's, that's where Breath Project comes in. Basically, Breath is about providing a PHP runtime for Lambda. So it's a, it uses what AWS Lambda provides, which is the custom runtime API, uh, which means anyone can create a custom runtime for any language. And if you want, you can create a PHP runtime. It's just really annoying to do that. <laughs> so I would recommend using any, any project. Breath is one of them. And so, yeah, Breath provides the runtime. But also, and I think that's like almost as important, it provides the documentation and the tools to get started. Uh, it's great to have PHP support, but that's just not enough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and something with that as well is what, where do you see the majority of users coming from? Is it is it existing projects that are then trying to kind of migrate them to AWS into a serverless architecture without changing the code base too much? And that's where it's coming from, or is it people just with PHP knowledge that are trying to get into serverless and they don't want to potentially pick up something like Node or Python or Go or something else and they want to use uh, PHP there? Is it is it a migration mostly, or is it is it new stuff? And and yeah, what are your what, mm -hmm. what have you seen? Some are migrations, uh, and usually that works fine if you use a modern framework like Laravel or Symfony. I've seen people try to migrate older frameworks like WordPress, Drupal, Yee. This is much more complex just because the way PHP runs has changed a lot. It's been a much more modern language today. And yeah, if you use Symfony or Laravel, it's much easier. People do that. However, uh, I would say the majority are new projects from people in teams that already use PHP. They have their favorite framework. They know about Laravel or Symfony. They start a new project, but what they do is they keep using their framework and code as usual in Lambda. So it would be like the pattern of a big function with the whole application inside. So they don't have to relearn how to structure the application. They just use the same framework and Lambda is mostly there for hosting, scaling, running the application, not really 
exploding that into million functions. Gotcha. And then I know that you probably have some experience as well working with more of the most common runtimes like Node.js or Python. Um, and and this line of questioning is not mostly because I I haven't personally worked with PHP, and so and and I want to make sure the audience like gets it from the source, right? So mm-hmm. if I was going to choose a language to to write, is there is there trade offs there with with using PHP, or is it to a maturity level now with Bref and other tooling around PHP on Lambda that it's it can almost be like one for one, and and how do you view that? In terms of maturity, honestly, I would say it's one for one. Like you get about the same thing if you use PHP or JavaScript or whatever. The main downside I would say is if you are a big company and using what is called the custom runtime isn't acceptable for you, then yeah, it would make sense to go with a, a, an officially supported language like JavaScript or whatever. I would say, uh, I think Brave or running PHP on Lambda makes sense, again, for those teams that have their favorite framework practices. They don't want to throw ten years of, uh, throw away 10 years of experience, and they just want to yeah, get started quickly and use Lambda and get the benefits of, of Lambda immediately. Uh, I've also heard about teams doing like serverless PHP or containers with PHP and do a bit of Go or Rust microservices or functions just because these functions or these services must be extremely fast, that works as well. And I think that's also the beauty of, uh, you know, serverless, you can mix languages a bit more easily. Yeah, I I love this. And I guess like, uh, have you heard anything from the AWS side? I mean, feel free to flag, Mm -hmm. hey, can't talk about it, around like a PHP. I'm sure a lot of people have asked about that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, this is uh, exactly, yeah, this is a very uh, recurring topic. Uh, what I started doing, I think it's almost two years ago, uh, in Bref, I started adding um, like anonymous telemetry that doesn't add any performance impact to the runtime. So what it does for those like that are interesting about the technical details, and it's all documented on the Bref website. Whenever Bref is invoked, like a sorry, a function running Bref is invoked, um, in one percent of cases. Pref will send uh, a UDP package. So UDP is not like TCP. It uh, doesn't really need to establish a connection and wait for the packet to be sent. Uh, UDP is instant. It's like a few nanoseconds overhead, I think. So it sends a TCP packet that contains just one information. It says, hey, a Pref invocation has happened. No extra information. And that gets into... Um, into my AWS account, like in, in CloudWatch. And that way I can track the, like estimate, because that's also something that can be disabled if you don't want, don't want to. So I can track and estimate how many functions are running with Pref in the wild. And I use that number to go to AWS, any, any AWS person that that's okay to talk to me and, and show them the numbers. Like it's billion, I think it's, now crossed 3 billion invocations every month running PHP on Lambda. And so I can show them the numbers. Obviously, it's not as much as JavaScript or any other language, but it's still like a decent number. And so that, may, that helps me tell them there is a serious interest in, in, in PHP on Lambda. People are running that in production. You don't get 3 billion invocations with side projects. Uh, I also have 
like I personally know companies that run Brave in production. So all of that helps me compile um, a document. I send them. And yeah, we stay in touch. Honestly, that's great because um, it was hard at the beginning. Now I have numbers, I have the data. It's much easier with them like to stay in touch and also for them to pass along the information with data. And yeah, I, I can't say anything specific, but the good thing is that like there's a discussion, there's a converse, conversation open. Um, so yeah, what should... I'm get, I'm getting more and more people at AWS that are interested in that problem. That's what I like. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's crazy to hear three billion, three billion invocations a month. I mean, that's that's very sizable, and that, that mm -hmm. must feel like very rewarding to you to be able yeah. to look at that and see it steadily growing over time. Um, exactly. And and know that your role in this kind of movement is you know is sizable. That's that's so cool. And and you share that you have like um. For the breath community, is there like like Slack channels or Discords or things like yeah, that? Yeah, we have a we have a Slack channel right now. We have like four hundred people. That's pretty good. We have a Slack channel that is uh, fairly active, and the good thing is that it's active in the sense that other people get involved to help others. So <laughs> it's just not just me running around. I like this uh, like this situation where we have a, a community. You know. I never really intended to build specifically it, but I think both the combination of new technologies, which is honestly exciting technically, and also the fact that you can use Lambda for side projects to be creative, to be productive as well. So it attracts you know, people that are motivated, passionate. So that that's that's really great, like talking with all these people. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. That's uh, I think it's one of the big things when whenever creating anything is how do you actually make the feedback loop between the people using it and the actual like framework or development or product. Um, and so yeah, that seems like a good like a system there of having all these people in Slack be able to communicate. And then also the idea of like the cool thing that you said there, which is that you started this thing and then you've seen it scale out, and now people are answering each other. And you're not having to run around and do all of that. And that's that must be kind of cool too to be like, wow, people are talking about this, you know, internally, you know, taking taking their own leadership and and communicating about it. And that's that must be super cool. Yeah. Um and then I also know uh that you co-created the Lyft project. Um can you tell us a little bit about that serverless framework mixed with CDK, if my understanding is correct there? Yep. Yep. So um the Lyft project started a bit more. Then a year ago, I was discussing with Frédéric Bartelet, who's a fellow serverless developer living in Paris. And we're like we're both both passionate about serverless development as it is, but also as what it could be. Basically, we are both using like today I'm product manager of serverless framework. So I use serverless framework a lot, obviously, but I was using serverless framework a lot at the time too. Uh, he was as well. And we we looked at AWS CDK and similar projects like Terraform, like Pulumi. What they have is an interesting approach of being able to combine stuff, whether it's a CDK construct or a Terraform module or a Pulumi, I think, component. Anyway, going higher level is really interesting because we have so many building blocks now with serverless. You have Lambda and SQS and SNS and EventBridge and so on. But at the same time, 
to build higher level stuff, you need to assemble all of that and assemble that correctly with the correct settings, SQS, dead letter queues. So we started with SQS. That was the best example. You send messages to a SQS queue. You have Lambda triggered whenever there's a message. That's fine. But by default, like any failure doesn't really behave like you want it being tried infinitely. So you want to set up retries, dead letter queues, alerts, and so on. And this is where we saw the, some potential with CDK, building a higher level construct that encapsulates all of that configuration, but keep as well the simplicity of serverless framework, the single uh, serverless.yaml file, all the tools that come with serverless framework to stream logs and, and run stuff uh, possibly locally and deploy a function. So we started looking at how we could integrate AWS CDK in serverless framework, and we came with the Lyft project, which is a serverless framework plugin that provides a few constructs out of the box, uh, like a construct for queues, for static websites or single page applications like React and, and so on. Constructs for server-side website, that's more useful for the PHP community where building in a website with Laravel or Symfony is much more common. Um, what do we have? Like just deploying an S3 bucket that is properly configured to store files with encryption, with backups and, and uh, uh, versioning, all of that. And finally, DynamoDB single table design. Everyone talks about it, but if you have to set it up, that's a lot of CloudFormation, so why not just a single line and then you're done? So we came up with these few use cases and we tried to come up with a construct and uh, utilities around those constructs, put all of that in a plugin that you can use in serverless framework. So uh, we worked on that uh, last year, like more than a year ago, and released that. And it's been working ever since, so that's <laughs> that's um, pretty cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and I know that for for those looking, uh, definitely definitely check it out. Um, I saw I was reading through the documentation. I saw like for instance with the single table design, it almost looks like y'all have like uh, a pretty easy way of taking like uh, like you said like here's a single table. It's going to have the same sort of configuration each time. There's best practice ways of like making that. And then as a user of the Lyft framework, I can then basically just reference that potential best practice way of making that single table uh, DynamoDB uh, without having to, to do much. Is that, is that mm -hmm. kind of, is that accurate? Yes, yes. Okay. And okay. actually, initially, when we started working on Lyft, the way we did it is we started publishing blog posts about, hey, if you want to set up queues, uh, serverless queues, here is how you should do it. Like configure your queues like this and Lambda like this. So it was like we start with the documentation and then, or like content, and then we turn that into a construct and 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 the plugin. But we started with the content. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, and then and then one question I have too is when it comes to how you see this expanding in the future. I saw. Um, while you're talking, of course, I'm a developer. I look up this stuff while you're <laughs> while you're speaking. So I saw like some stuff was like 14 days ago. Uh, there had been like pushes and stuff to the repo, so it's it's very active, mm -hmm. um, which is definitely encouraging, especially when people are looking to use something. Is the project being maintained and active, um, and so on? And how do you look at this um, this growing? Does it feel like as more people use CDK and already are using serverless framework, it'll just naturally proceed that way and you'll just add more use cases. Is that how you're thinking about it or? 
Yeah, this is a, a tough question because even us, we we started initially on Lyft with a few use cases. We wanted to do a few things to them right and see if it works. So it does. Then the question is, how can you scale that, and how can you make that scalable as well? Like you could create so many constructs, but then I think, I think the 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 quality, like quantity and quality, you know, <laughs> it's great if you have a hundred constructs, but then if you don't know which one to pick and you're not sure if it's well maintained, that's that's the tricky part as well. So um, finding the best way to approach that. Uh, it's taking it's taking some time. We are we're <laughs> thinking about it really really hard. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I think that that's the problem that all of us face when we try to make templates. <laughs> and then yes. you know you have everybody build templates, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, this is awesome. We've got this really flushed out REST API template, and then someone else is like, yeah, but what about like a REST API template that uses like WebSockets, and then what about one that uses WebSockets and API keys? And it's like. Oh no, now we've yeah. got like 15 different REST API ones and this one's a little bit more up-to-date. And then they didn't know that there was an up-to-date one. So then they created a whole new one and it uses slightly different concepts. And like, so that makes sense. That seems like a, a very hard problem that mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I talked to Christy Peralt from uh, Liberty Mutual on the pack, podcast before. And she was talking about how their team, they have a dedicated team at Liberty Mutual trying to figure out this exact thing. And right. they're also struggling with it too. Um, yeah. So they think they, they they have like a core team. They build like the baseline templates, and then those are maintained by their core team. Um, and they of course encourage everybody else to make their own. Um, so do you imagine a scenario where maybe Lyft is creating like core constructs that are maintained by Lyft, and then opening up the open source community to add their own constructs? Um, yeah, this is something we explored a few times. We tried like you. You may actually still be able to find a few pull requests on that specific topic. Um, it's tricky for actually one technical reason. <laughs> uh, the way we use CDK in Lyft, uh, we wanted to integrate very deeply with serverless framework. So um, obviously integrating two very different tools, we had to make some compromises. So the way we work is we use CDK to generate the CloudFormation template, but we don't use CDK to deploy the CloudFormation stack. We generate the CloudFormation code and we add that to the stack that, that serverless framework already deploys. And that works really fine. What that means is that um, there is one thing we cannot deploy that way with Lyft, at least with the current architecture, we cannot deploy anything that has assets. So uh, if you want to uh, deploy stuff to S3. I mean, CDK has constructs for you know, deploying things to S3, uses the zip files or... But anyway, there is one big thing here, Lambda functions. Because deploying code to Lambda function, you need to use zip files and upload them. And so that has been our big blocker to say, hey, deploy anything with Lyft, like any CDK construct, because if you have Lambda functions in your construct, that will not work. So. Um, that's why we haven't basically opened the door yet. What we have done lately is, um, so the construct we built are intentionally opinionated to have the best, like uh, most sensitive defaults for most people. But we had more and more and more requests about, oh, I want to tune like uh, which uh, key is used for encryption in S3 or which uh, like this specific setting on CloudFront. So we ended up having an extension system where you can override any setting via CloudFormation. Um, 
And it, I think it, we, thanks to that solution, we gained like maybe a year of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> delaying for the inevitable, I want to deploy a custom construct because I think that's, uh, that's kind of inevitable at some point. Gotcha. Yeah, that seems like a hard problem, like a really hard problem. I know that the way the serverless framework works under the hood is uh, with plugins and stuff is that it's like a sequential set of operations that happen. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I know that that can be really tricky to hook yeah. into the right place in that life cycle to then make sure that the things that you need, you have before the thing is being deployed. Um, yes. And so, you know, best of luck on that. <laughs> um, that's definitely sounds like a complicated problem. And uh, one that I'm sure everybody is like looking at y'all to help solve too. So that's, that's kind of cool to be working on stuff like that. And uh, more to like your day-to-day, -day, you know, you mentioned, I mean, obviously Brev and Lyft are day-to-day -day as well. Um, serverless framework, project manager, uh, talk us through that. How did that come about? How long have you been doing that? And, and what does your day-to-day -day look like over mm -hmm. there? Well, I joined serverless uh, about a year ago, a bit more. Uh, just when I was working on Lyft, uh, basically we got in touch with the serverless core team. We're like, hey, we're building Lyft. Uh, we just wanted to let you know, basically, and that's how I got in touch with the team and, and got in the company. Um, so I moved to product manager of serverless framework yeah, a year ago, and it's been like extremely interesting to see both like the other side of the picture, like working on Lyft, you're using, you're consuming the plugin API, you're trying to fit in with the existing product. And now you're like on the other side and you have to, you could in theory change anything, but you have to think about, oh, this use case, but also these users and these plugins and all of that. And it's such a big community, such a wide range of use cases. It's extremely interesting and extremely, uh, like challenging to to make big changes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, that's cool that you're getting to see the the other side of it as well. Um, yeah, and 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 something with that. So uh, serverless, uh, I think V three came out. Um, I was that when they added compose the serverless compose. Yeah. So what we did was um, work on V three. Uh, we started working on V three. Uh, specifically on, yeah, on the on the release, I think it was in September last year, October maybe, and we released V3 in January. So we had beta periods. V3 was um, mostly about obviously getting rid of deprecated features, doing some cleanup internally, um, but also changing the the experience in the CLI. We redesigned basically the CLI. That was very interesting, uh, very interesting experience trying to both deal with legacy plugins and, and warnings and deprecations and all of that that existed and try to make it a bit better visually. Uh, and we added um, a new feature, which is uh, stage parameters. Compose came uh, a few months after V3. So yeah, V3 was about the redesign and stage parameters. Uh, just a quick word on stage parameters. This, this is something we heard about a lot. We saw and actually did as well. You want to deploy in production, you want to deploy in staging, and you want to deploy in dev. You don't want the same configuration. What people did, they used the custom section, used a combination of variables. I'm sure you've you've documented that yourself. <laughs> and I don't know, that, that's the thing that for so long, I was like, why? 
<laughs> so then we got working on that. We work on the stage parameters. It's not covering every single use case, but it changed a lot of examples and and, and scenarios, I think, for the best. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Um, yeah, I know that the it was it was good to see that because I think with um, stuff coming out with like serverless cloud, um, uh, there was some level of okay, when when will that update take place? And like, will it be what what will be the level of changes and and like commitment from the serverless team and the serverless framework? Yeah, uh, directly. Mm-hmm. And that was fantastic to see. And it was a ton of like really cool stuff. And and I know that at, at serverless guru, we use uh, all of this, all those features now. Um, definitely the serverless compose one. That was a really cool one because we had tons of bash scripts that we had written, um, really complicated bash scripts that, <laughs> that we got to throw away completely. And, uh, you know, uh, RIP to, <laughs> to my bash scripts, but at the same time, uh, super simple way of kind of just defining out how the stack deployments take place um, and uh, being able to run those in parallel as well if there's no dependencies and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was a super cool one that for, for our side, like we had those scripts, but for other people coming in, they probably kept hitting up against that same problem over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. And if anybody's worked with bash scripts or, or just any scripts at all, if you're adding programming code in there, it's a liability, right? As what people say. So uh, being able to throw those away means that we don't have to maintain them in the future. And then it's like an even cleaner approach, um, mm-hmm. which is nice. So, and also on the serverless guru, and we're like 95% serverless framework. And so when it comes to also selling clients on why to use serverless framework over other options, the fact the stuff that V3 brought uh, actually helps us with that too. So we can say, hey, look, if you're going to do the deployments here, there's already built-in things like this that are very sophisticated that, that you can use. And, you know, because I'm sure you've faced that as well now being on that other side is uh, seeing AWS SAM and, uh, you know, the CDK and so on. And obviously you're bridging some of that stuff together. Uh, but knowing what infrastructure is code framework to use is always like a very common problem, it feels mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. So then uh, kind of coming to the... Uh, you know, back end of this episode, it's already, you know, had a lot of interesting material in it. Uh, I don't know the number of times that I've been able to talk about the life cycle of a serverless plugin. So um, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy that that came up. Um, oh, actually, yeah. Since you mentioned that, I just wanted to, yeah. to drop it. I forgot in V3, we also worked on the plugin API. We uh, f- Now there is an official and complete documentation on how to create a plugin. What, because I, even working with, on Lyft, uh, we used so many of the wrong API to do what we needed to do. It worked somehow, but then it broke because that wasn't the public API. And so anyway, we have great documentation now on creating plugins. We have a new plugin API as well. It's much more uh, flexible and, and uh, rich. So I, I'm happy with that being on the consumer side of the API as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, 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 that's awesome to hear. Um, and um, then coming to, you know, uh, AWS Hero. So that's awesome. When did this happen? What has that been like? And um, yeah, do you mind giving a uh, sharing to the audience? Like, what does that what does that mean? What does it mean to be like a AWS Hero and to be kind of held up in that way? Yeah, <laughs> I don't really. I mean, I don't really know how to describe it. It's not. It's both really great and not that much at the same time. In the sense that it's. Uh, um, for me, it was when working on on Bref, um, 
I, I, this gave me a great opportunity to finally have people at AWS to talk to, talk, to, talk with. Uh, being able to, like you go from being a customer in your AWS account and I was not able to afford the support plan or whatever. And then suddenly you're in touch with great people at AWS. It can put you in touch with the Lambda product managers or engineers and you learn how things work. You get very technical and, and precise answer to your questions. That's Sometimes that's mind-blowing learning how, bit, how things work. So that's, that's really amazing. And then you get to meet uh, many people as well in, in the group. Uh, that's honestly, it's like half about getting to talk to AWS people about AWS and talking with other heroes about what they do. It's uh, it's uh, really interesting on, on that part. Yeah, I hope I'm describing it <laughs> accurately. <laughs> it's uh, it's been my experience at uh, at least. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Um, and. And uh, shout out to Jonathan, our, our, our head of marketing. He he added in like a little quote from your AWS uh, hero blurb that said, uh, you know, uh, Matthew is fascinated by how serverless unlocks creativity and works on making serverless successful to everyone. So I guess like what is, did you provide that quote to AWS or like what does that mean to make it accessible to to everyone? Right. This is, this is actually my origin story. Um, okay. <laughs> and this is... Uh, this is the way I, sta- I started a few of my talks before. Um, I come from a PHP background. And even originally, you know, I learned at school, like Java and stuff like that. But then at some point, I needed a website. And I went online, So a few tutorials, obviously very bad tutorials with plenty of security issues, but it's not really important. I mean, who cares about security? So you learn PHP and then you write a single big PHP file, you buy like a $5 per month host or even a free host and you drag and drop via FTP and then you have a website online. And you know, actually this was like, I don't know, 15 years ago, but I had a friend like last year go through exactly the same path. So I, I said to him like, that's great, but don't build anything that needs security. But as long as your website is online and you don't have anything insecure, that, that's good. And so he built his website like that and cost him zero. It was really easy to get started with. That is accessible in terms of knowledge, getting started, costs, all of that. And then, you know, fast forward a few years, you have Kubernetes stuff, you have containers, you have frameworks, and you have so many things even with JavaScript, you know, uh, compilation, TypeScript, all of that. And it's extremely, that's awesome, but it's it's uh, it's a lot. And then you have serverless that comes in and says, hey, you can just create a Lambda function. This is a function. Uh, you console.log whatever, and you return whatever you want in your response. And then you have an API, or you have a website. And so that's why I, I really love the, the serverless approach, because it reminds me of that era where I could drag and drop a file, like index.php. And so that's why I think in some ways, not in every way, but in some ways, serverless makes the web accessible again. That's what I love here. That's also why I think it pairs well with PHP in a way. There's the execution model as well, but that's a technical detail. But anyway, yeah, that's the, making the web more accessible in terms of knowledge and in terms of cost, being able to run something on Lambda and pay zero because then you have no traffic. It's a side project. I think that's really, really awesome. That's an underrated feature, in my opinion. We don't talk about that enough. <laughs> ah, that's amazing. Uh, thank you for giving the origin story there. That's like uh, really, <laughs> really cool to hear the, the kind of 
how it went from 15 years ago to now and you still have a friend that does it and then serverless kind of yeah. that's a really nice way to frame you know why serverless and it's like it's making it accessible uh you know for again because i i think you know i've definitely tried to build kubernetes stuff before i know there's somebody out there that's like first try open the kubernetes documentation up and they were just off and running that definitely was not my experience um and I actually learned serverless. Uh, I was at a code school in early 2017. And then I heard the, uh, I heard, I think it was Ryan Cronenberg or somebody like that say like serverless is the future. And I was like, sweet, I'm in a code school. I don't know how to run like traditional virtual machines, host things, all that stuff. Um, I was learning, you know, modern, like uh, modern JavaScript, et cetera, uh, from that code school. Cause that's, you know, it works both ends. So it's like an easier path forward, uh, learning HTML, CSS. Uh, got to the code school, still didn't know how to host anything, um, and then learned about serverless. And then, you know, saw like an S3 bucket with static web hosting and like clicked a couple buttons and like, bang, I had a website up. And I remember being one of the first people in the code school to actually host my mm-hmm. website um, just because I dropped, I drag and dropped files onto S3, like you said, and mm-hmm. then I could actually see that result. Um, and then from there, was able to create like an Alexa skill. And that was kind of like, that was pretty easy just to get something really basic to speak back to me with a little bit of application code um, and not knowing all the other stuff going on in the background, of course, like how Lambda and events and all this stuff, just kind of slapping some code, uploading it into the console and then hearing like, you know, this robot talk back to me. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so this is super cool. Um, well, you know, kind of coming to the end here, I guess like, uh, do you have any advice for people that are, are getting started? Uh, maybe they hear serverless a lot. Uh, they may hear complexity, they may hear things like that. Um, obviously, uh, we know if you peel back the layers, it is actually a very great space to be in. Um, do you have advice for people that, where would they start to learn? Maybe your course, maybe other places? Yeah, courses are great to start, but honestly, um, especially like the AWS console has gotten a bit better lately. Like I would say creating a function and playing with it in, 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 the, in the UI um, that's also a good way to just to play around, get the feel of it, and yeah, and then then you can start looking into like courses that go in, in deeper details. But to me, that was the uh, getting rid of the intimidating part, just creating a function, returning a few things, and with Lambda function URLs as well, you can have an HTTP function very easily. I think that's a great change. So yeah, playing around. I think it's the best way to learn. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, there you go for people listening. Play around in the console. Try it out. Maybe try to build something, you know, small. Uh, maybe hear a robot talk back to you. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then when it comes to things that you have coming up, do you have any like talks coming up or 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 things that you want to shout out? Uh, shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a I have a talk coming up, but it's not really related to services. Actually, <laughs> uh, I, I I'm giving a talk in a PHP conference about uh, JavaScript, <laughs> like my experience with the JavaScript explained uh, from the point of view of a PHP developer. So that's, uh, that, that, that was a way for me to, you know, finish the loop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that, I think that's about it at the moment. Um, yeah, honestly, I cannot think of anything else though. Okay, awesome. Well, I think that that my job check check. Um, I was able to uh, run through all of it. So, um, okay. Well, that does it for this episode. Thank you so much, Matthew, for being on with us today. Really appreciate it.
And to those listening, this has been the Talking Serverless Podcast with Ryan Jones. If you like our show and want to learn more, check us out uh, on TalkingServerless.io. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you want to leave a review, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Also on Twitter at TalkingServerless. And of course, join us next time as we sit down with another fantastic guest.